Before we come to Prime Minister's questions, I would like to point out that the British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings is available to watch on the Parliament Live TV. We now come to Prime Minister's questions. Jonathan Edwards. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Jonathan Edwards. Dear Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will be aware of the considerable public concern in relation to the impression that significant political, political donations can help acquire a peerage. The Honourable Member for Nahigan Enia will publish a bill later today which will pub, uh, prohibit large party donors from being nominated to the other place for a period of five years. Will you offer full government support to my honourable friend's efforts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I will study his proposals with care uh, when the parties opposite uh, commit to stop taking funds from the unions in order to control their policies. I was told that A&E there is routinely seeing twice the number of people for which it was designed. Thanks to the hard work of staff and big funding increases, the NHS is seeing more patients and delivering more tests, treatments and operations than at any time in its history. But what is the government doing to urgently assist the NHS to tackle spiralling demand for healthcare and a tough winter ahead? I thank my right honourable friend because over the uh, for, for what she does to represent uh, her hospital, and I thank them, uh, the NHS staff, for their amazing work that they're doing. Uh, we're supporting them uh, by recruiting, as she knows, uh, 50,000 more nurses, uh, putting another four and a half billion pounds into the NHS over the rest of this uh, financial year. And uh, the best thing we can do to protect our NHS over this uh, winter is everybody to come forward and get their booster vaccination. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Trust matters. And after the last fortnight, the Prime Minister has got a lot of work to do. A central plank in this Government's promise to the north of England is a crossrail of the north with at least an entirely new high-speed rail line between Manchester and Leeds. A crossrail for the north, an entirely new line. That is the promise. It's already been made. So I don't want the Prime Minister fobbing off the House about waiting till tomorrow. He can say today, will he stick by that promise, yes or no? Prime Minister, Uh, he should wait and see what is going to be announced tomorrow, uh, because we will will uh, will produce a fantastic integrated rail plan. I'm I'm not going to spoil it for you, Mr Speaker. Why would I? We're going to produce a fantastic... Oh, 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 don't. I expect the front bench to behave better than what it is doing in the moment. If you don't want to listen to the answer, let me know now. I do, and I cannot hear when you all shout together. We want better politics. I expect better politics from both sides. Let's show a little bit more decorum than we're seeing at the moment. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, when we produce our integrated rail plan, 
Tomorrow, uh, people across the House and across the country will see what we are doing to cut journey times, uh, to make life easier and better for people in the North East, in the North West, in the Midlands, across the whole of the North of the country. And, Mr Speaker, with the biggest programme of investment in rail uh, for a century, Mr Speaker, for a century. And what we are doing, Mr Speaker, is we are giving people in those communities the same access to commuter-type services that people in the South East of this country have felt entitled to for more than a century. And that is going to be levelling up across the whole of the UK, Mr Speaker. Keir Starmer. Well, Mr Speaker, that was a lot of words. Uh, But it wasn't a yes. So that's one important promise to the North that he won't stand by. Let's look at another. In February this year, the Prime Minister told this House, I can certainly confirm that we are going to develop the eastern leg as well as the whole of HS2. The whole of HS2. A new high-speed line running continuously, no gaps between Birmingham and Leeds. So will the Prime Minister confirm that he stands by that promise? I'm afraid afraid the right honourable gentleman is in danger of getting hoist on his own petard, Uh, Mr Speaker. He needs to wait and see uh, what what we announce tomorrow, because I think he will find that the people of the northeast, of the northwest, the people of Leeds, the people of Nottingham, the people of Sheffield, and the people of the whole of the northwest and the northeast of this country will benefit massively uh, from, what we are, from what we are going to announce. Again, Mr. Speaker, a lot of words, but not a yes. So that's two important promises to the north that he won't stand by. No wonder trust in the Prime Minister is at an all time low. Across the country and belatedly across this House, there is now agreement that Owen Paterson broke the rules and that the Government should not have tried to let him off the hook. Many members opposite have apologised. The Business Secretary has apologised for his part. The Leader of the House has apologised for his part. But they were following the Prime Minister's lead. So will he do the decent thing? and just say sorry for trying to give the green light to corruption. Mr Speaker, yeah, well, yes, as I've said before, it certainly was a mistake uh, to conflate the case of an, indu- an individual member, no matter how sad, with the point of principle at stake, and we do need, we do need a cross-party approach on an appeals process. We also need, Mr Speaker, a cross-party approach on the way forward, and that's why we've tabled the proposals that we have to take forward the report of the Independent uh, Committee for Standards in Public Life of 2018 uh, with those two key principles uh, that everybody in this House should focus primarily and above all on their job here in this House, and secondly, that no one should exploit their position in order to advance the commercial interests of anybody else. That's our position, Mr Speaker. We want to take forward those reforms. In the meantime, perhaps he could clear up from his proposals, uh, from his proposals whether he would continue to be able to take money as he did from Mishcon Dorea and other legal firms. Prime Minister, Prime Minister. As you know, and I do remind you, it's Prime Minister's questions, not Leader of the Opposition's questions. Keir Starmer. That's not an apology. Everybody else, everybody else has apologised for him, but he won't apologise for himself. A coward, not a leader. Weeks, weeks, weeks. 
weeks defending corruption. Yesterday, a screeching last-minute U-turn to avoid defeat on Labour's plan to ban MPs from dodgy second contracts. But waving one white flag won't be enough to restore trust. And there are plenty of opposition days to come. And we will not let the Prime Minister water down the proposals or pretend that it's job done. We still haven't shut the door on the revolving door where ministers are regulating a company one minute and working for them the next. There are plenty of cases that still stain this House. There are two simple steps to sorting it out. Proper independence and powers for the Business Appointments Committee and banning these job swaps. Will the Prime Minister take those steps? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I've called, as you know, and indeed you have called, uh, Mr Speaker, for a cross-party approach to this. And what I think we need need to, to do is to work together on the basis of the independent report uh, by the Committee of Standards in Public Life uh, to take things forward and, and indeed to address the appeals process. But what I think everybody can see, Mr Speaker, is that in a classic, loyally way, uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman is now uh, trying to prosecute others for exactly the course of action that he took himself. And, and what, I think that, what I think the nation wants to know, because his register is incomplete, who paid... Who paid Mishkon Dorea and who paid the 25000 Who's paying him for his... Sa- Just a bit. Prime Minister, I don't want to fall out about it. I've made it very clear. It is Prime Minister's questions. It's not for the opposition to answer your question. Whether we like it or not, those are the rules of the game that we're all into, and we play by the rules, don't we? And we respect this House, so let's respect the House. Here, Starmer. Mr Speaker, that newfound commitment to upholding standards didn't last long. And Mr Speaker, here's the difference. When somebody in my party misbehaves, I kick them out. When somebody... When some... Oh, 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 oh. Mr Trump! Where's Rob Mr Trump! And that don't need... Luke, this is not good. We lost a dear friend... I want to show that this house has learned from it. I don't want each other to I don't want each other to be shouted down. I want questions to be respected. I expect the public to actually be able to hear the questions and the answers, because I'm struggling in this chair. I need no more. Here stop. Mr Speaker, when somebody in my party misbehaves, I kick them out. When somebody in his party misbehaves, he tries to get them off the hook. I lead, he covers up. Let's try another issue. We know that Owen Paterson was a paid lobbyist for Randocks. We know that he sat in on a call between Randocks and the minister responsible for handling health contracts. We know that Randocks has been awarded government contracts worth almost £600 million without competition or tender. Against that backdrop, the public are concerned that taxpayers' money may have been influenced by paid lobbying. There's only one way to get to the bottom of this, a full, transparent investigation. If he votes for Labour's motion this afternoon, that investigation can start. Will he vote for it, or will he vote for another cover-up? Prime Minister! 
very happy to publish all the details of the Randolph's contracts, which have been investigated by the National Audit Office already. Because we were talking of cover-ups. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr Speaker, uh, but we still have not heard why the Honourable General will not tell... Oh, 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 oh. Minister, Prime Minister, sit down. Prime Minister, I'm not going to be challenged. You may be the Prime Minister of this country, but in this House, I'm in charge. And we're going to carry on. End of that. Pierre Starmer. Mr Speaker, I think the Prime Minister just said he's happy to publish all the Randox papers in relation to these contracts, so we'll take that uh, and we'll pursue it. And I remind the Prime Minister, when I was Director of Public Prosecutions, I prosecuted MPs who broke the rule. He has been investigated by every organisation he's ever been elected to. That's the difference. Billions of pounds of taxpayers' money handed to their mates and donors. Tory MPs getting rich by working as lobbyists, one not even bothering to turn up because he's in the Caribbean advising tax havens. And the Prime Minister somehow expects us to believe that he's the man to clean up Westminster. He led his troops through the sewers to cover up corruption, and he can't even say sorry. The truth is that beneath the bluster, he still thinks it's one rule for him and another for his mates. At the same time as his government are engulfed in sleaze, they're rowing back on the promises they made to the North, and it's working people who are paying the price. Is it any wonder that people are beginning to think that the joke isn't funny anymore? Mr Speaker, it is plain uh, from listening to the right right honourable gentleman that he seeks to criticise this government while refusing uh, to explain his own position. And you've ruled on that, Mr Speaker. You've ruled on that, Mr Speaker. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, But his own misconduct, uh, Mr Speaker, is absolutely absolutely clear to everybody. His own misconduct is absolutely clear. And meantime, Mr Speaker, we will get on on a cross-party basis, we will get on on a cross-party basis with taking forward the business that I've outlined, and we will get on with the business of this government, which is leading the country out order, of the pandemic. Order, 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 and, Prime, and Minister, Mr. Prime Minister, just, I'm suddenly to hear, and if it's correct what I've said, it was about leader of the opposition and misconduct. We can't, or cannot accuse somebody of misconduct. No, I may, and I... Just before the Leader of the House gives me an answer, all I'm trying to say, I cannot hear. If it was said, I want it withdrawn. If it wasn't, I will accept it. I'm just... Just a moment. Prime Minister. Mr. I speak, I referred to the right honourable gentleman's misconduct. Because that is what he's guilty of. That is what he's guilty of. I don't think this has done this House any good today. I'll be quite honest, I think it's been I think it's been ill-tempered. I think it shows the public that this House has not learned from the other week. I need this House to gain respect, but it starts by individuals showing respect to each other. Right, let's go to Lee no less. We're going to James Grundy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The people of Lee have never accepted our forced merger with the rival, friendly rivals, but rival town of Wigan 
back in 1973. Could the Prime Minister tell me how we could escape the big government of Big Wigan by getting our own council back? Prime Minister. I thank my honourable friend and I thank him for his campaign against against local Labour government uh, over-taxing and, and delivering, a, uh, delivering uh, inadequate services. Uh, the local Boundary Commission uh, will look at the boundary reviews, but meantime I will support him in any way that I can. We now go to the leader of the SNP in Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. You know, it used to always be said that the Tory MPs were behind the Prime Minister, but my goodness, look at the gaps in the third, fourth and fifth benches. Mr Speaker, the rebellion has clearly started. Mr Speaker, this Tory sleaze candle has now been hitting the headline for the past 14 days. And yet, it's pretty obvious that the Prime Minister spent less than 10 minutes coming up with yesterday's half-hearted, half-baked and already half-botched proposals. These so-called reforms don't even scratch the surface. This sleaze scandal runs far, far deeper. Month after month, the public have witnessed scandal after scandal. Peerages handed to millionaire donors. VIP lanes gifted COVID contracts to Tory pals. Dodgy donations for luxury holidays and home renovations. The Prime Minister and his government have been up to their necks in sleaze. Can the Prime Minister tell us exactly which one which one of these scandals his proposals would have stopped? Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, I, 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 I thank the, the, the humble crofter, as he refers to himself, for his, uh, for his question. And uh, I, would just say, uh, I would just say that what I think we can do is pursue a cross-party approach based on the report of the Independent Committee on Standards in Public Life, which has much of a profit in it. And it says, uh, amongst other things, uh, that it's important that this House uh, should be uh, augmented with outside experience of the world. Uh, it's important that members of this House should have experience of the private sector, as he does. Uh, and I think on a cross-party basis, we should proceed with the, uh, with the, the couple of reforms that I've indicated. Ian Black. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Of course, this is about Tory sleaze and Tory corruption. And the Prime Minister has basically admitted that not one of this government's sleaze scandals would have been stopped by his so-called plan. And perhaps we shouldn't be surprised, considering the Prime Minister has been at the rotten core of all these scandals. The trail of sleaze and scandal all leads back to the funding of the Conservative Party. Since 2010, since 2010 Mr Speaker, the Tory party has made nine, nine of its former treasurers members of the House of Lords. Every single one of them has something in common. They have handed over three million pounds to the Prime Minister's party. That is the very definition of corruption. It is the public's definition of corruption. Will this government finally accept that this is corruption, or is the Prime Minister the only person in the country who is the brass neck to argue that it was all one big coincidence? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, look, I have to say that uh, I, mean, I, I won't comment on the missing £600,000 uh, from, uh, from the SNP's party accounts, 
But I, I, I do say, uh, Mr Speaker, in all sincerity and, and, and he, heeding what you've said earlier on, I think these constant attacks on the UK's levels of corruption and sleaze do a massive disservice, do a massive disservice uh, to billions of people around the world who genuinely suffer from governments uh, that are corrupt, uh, who genuinely have no ability to scrutinise their MPs, Mr Speaker. This is one of the cleanest democracies in the world and people should be proud of it. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would the Prime Minister join me in celebrating the 50th anniversary this year of the formation of the 177-mile path for walkers along Offord's Dyke, which runs through Cluid South, and give his support to the recently launched Offord's Dyke Rescue Fund to repair and preserve this monument and nature reserve for future generations? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I, I've had the good fortune to walk off as Dyke uh, very recently and uh, I'm delighted that uh, English and Welsh organisations are working together to protect that fantastic uh, national monument and uh, Historic England has committed to give almost £300,000 more uh, to that great cause. And David. Mr Speaker, ambulance response times are now the worst ever. People are waiting for ambulances longer than ever. And with A&Es in crisis, patients are stuck in ambulances outside hospital longer than ever. Waiting times aren't statistics, they are people. People often in great pain and in danger. So why is this government closing ambulance stations in parts of our country? Why is the West Midlands Ambulance Service closing up to 10 community ambulance stations in Rugby, Oswestry and Craven Arms? With this health crisis for our ambulance services and in our A&Es, injured, sick and elderly people are being hit. When will the Prime Minister deal with this health crisis? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, I appreciate that ambulance crews and ambulance services are doing an amazing job, particularly at, the, at this time of year, and I thank them for, for what they're doing. Uh, we are supporting them with more cash. Uh, another £450 million was awarded to 120 trusts uh, to uh, upgrade uh, their facilities. And, uh, as he knows, we're putting another £36 billion uh, into dealing with the backlogs, which is uh, fundamentally affecting the NHS so badly at the moment, uh, through the, uh, the levy that we've instituted, which I don't think uh, he supported. Andrew Jones. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, domestic heating accounts for 30% of UK carbon emissions. And I support the government's incentive scheme to replace the old gas boilers with environmentally friendly alternatives. But now we're building more homes than we have for many, many years. Can we build upon the success of COP26 and, and ask really what, what is the progress that is being made on the standards for new build homes to make sure that our new homes are fit for the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, I thank my honourable friend. He's totally right to focus on the issue of uh, of, of future-proofing homes and making them uh, low carbon. And by 2025, our future homes standard uh, will ensure that new homes uh, produce at least 75% uh, fewer CO2 emissions. Furness. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Last week, I visited a GP practice in my constituency of Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough and was horrified to hear about the amount of abuse staff are currently experiencing. Their workloads are under extreme pressure and this is not helped by the Prime Minister making demands about appointments whilst he has still failed on his manifesto pledge to recruit 6,000 more GPs. So, will the Prime Minister apologise for this broken promise to GPs and their staff 
who are on the front line working under ever-increasing pressure and depleted staffing resources. Well, first of all, I want to thank GPs for everything that they're doing, particularly during the, the booster rollout. Uh, but what we're also doing is not just recruiting uh, as many GPs as, as we can, uh, but we have 10,000 more nurses this year than last year, 25,000 uh, more healthcare professionals altogether. There are more people, Mr Speaker, now working in the NHS than at any time in its history. And because of, because of our investment, the extra £36 billion, uh, that we're putting in, there will be even more. And I'm afraid that the, the lady opposite voted against that investment. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Following on from COP26, can my right honourable friend confirm that maximising carbon capture and storage capacity across the whole United Kingdom is a priority for this Government and, I mean, despite the doom and gloom and the the words of rejection and and snubbing and SNP members opposite, can he also confirm that the ACORN carbon capture and storage and hydrogen project in my constituency of Banff and Buchan has a key role to play in this country's future carbon capture and storage capacity targets to meet net zero? I, th- I thank my right honourable friend, and he's quite right to, to uh, champion carbon capture and storage, which has a great future in Scotland, in spite of all the gloomstering of the party uh, of the party opposite. The Scottish cluster remains on the reserve, and we will continue uh, to study it, and, and, and we hope to bring it forward in due time. Mary Glendon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The River Tyne, with its world-renowned offshore and subsea sectors, has been repeatedly sidelined by this Government, despite me and others constantly lobbying Ministers for investment that would massively increase employment opportunities and help the UK's transition to net zero. However, Mr Speaker, I am very excited to say our voice is now being magnified by a new time task force set up by the local authorities, the port, businesses and the combined authority. So will the Prime Minister, here and now, commit his Government to work with us to realise the full potential of our great river? Prime Minister. I, I thank the Honourable Lady for her question, and uh, she's absolutely right that the River Tyne is a, a massive economic asset for the whole of the, uh, of the North East. It has suffered from historic uh, contamination, uh, but we're going to work with the North East Local Enterprise Partnership uh, to invest another £6 million to help develop uh, clear plans for sustainable economic growth along the whole of the estuary. Henry Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Crawley constituency was one of the most negatively affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, but thanks to significant support from this government, uh, we are seeing recovery, unemployment now beginning to come down, mm. uh, and we look to a confident future. In that vein, will my right honourable friend please look favourably on Crawley's Platinum Jubilee city status bid? Minister. Oh. Uh, well, I'm very grateful to my uh, uh, honourable friend. I wasn't aware of, uh, until today that Crawley was uh, bidding to become a city, but I will, I, I will look at it. I will look at it. I will look at it uh, very carefully, uh, Mr. Speaker. And I'm, I'm sure it. Uh, I'm sure there is an excellent case in there somewhere. David Lindon. Thank you. Edgar, every year 100,000 babies are born premature or sick in the UK and admitted to neonatal intensive care units. The Prime Minister will be aware that today is World Prematurity Day. Now, there is cross-party agreement in this House to bring forward neonatal leave and pay. So, rather than wait for a, a complex, con- controversial employment bill, will the Prime Minister bring along, uh, alongside a, a standalone bill to legislate for this so that next World Prematurity Day 
the 100,000 babies and their parents don't have to choose between spending time in the hospital or unpaid leave from work. Yeah. I, I thank the Honourable Gentleman. I know he's a passionate uh, campaigner in uh, this area, and uh, one way or another, and I'll get back to him on the exact way, Mr Speaker, we will legislate to allow parents of children in neonatal care to take extended leave, giving them more time during the most vulnerable and stressful uh, days of their lives. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Further education colleges like Hotwood Hall in my Hayward and Middleton constituency will play an essential part in building back better. The team at Hotwood have supported over 8,000 learners on courses as diverse as small business management and animal management, as well as six new T-level courses. So can I invite my right honourable friend to come and visit the inspirational team and the students at Hotwood Hall, and as a special treat, come and see Middleton's very own flamboyants and flamingos and our endangered potteroos. <laughs> Prime Minister. I thank him for uh, his kind invitation. I will certainly keep it in mind. And the government is absolutely committed to reforming technical education uh, through new uh, T levels. And uh, that's why we're investing a further £65 million, uh, to uh, develop uh, teacher retention and, uh, and support and, rec and recruitment for teachers in, in FE. As for the Potteroos uh, in, in his area, I will, I will bear them. Are they wild? Uh, Mrs. I, 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 will, I, I will do my utmost uh, to come and inspect them. Rebecca Longbelly. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My constituent Laura told me that Remembering Sunday hurts. It hurts because there have been no medals for her granddad's service and the thousands of men involved in nuclear weapons tests overseas between 1952 and 1991. It hurts because studies of such veterans have shown increased miscarriages, increased birth defects, and the same rate of genetic damage as clean-up workers at Chernobyl. And it hurts because the UK is the only nuclear power on Earth who has denied recognition. So I ask the Prime Minister, will he recognise nuclear testing veterans today and agree to meet them? The Leader of the Opposition has. Prime Minister. Well, I'm grateful to her for bringing this to my attention and uh, I will certainly uh, make sure that we get a, a proper meeting uh, with the with representatives of uh, the nuclear veterans that she, uh, that she raises. Thank you, Mr Speaker. When I was in Greece with Save the Children, I learnt that change at any border was quickly communicated down the line. If migrants and asylum seekers knew that they would be directly returned to France or taken to a third country pending application, if they knew this, would they risk a dangerous and illegal crossing and make their way to France in the first place? Can I ask my right honourable friend what further measures are being considered? Because this is an issue of great concern in Eastbourne, along the coast, along the country, and uh, I'm anxious to be able to reassure my constituents that there are uh, plans ahead. Prime Minister. Uh, I thank her very much, and she has much relevant experience in her work for, for Save the Children in Greece. Uh, our only uh, credible way of fixing this, Mr Speaker, is with our new plan for immigration, and that will be made possible with our new Nationality and Borders Bill, uh, which will make it possible for us to distinguish at last between those who come here legally and those who come here illegally, Mr Speaker. And I hope very much that it will command the support of the whole House. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In May, part of Northwich Station in my constituency collapsed. I've asked the Transport Secretary to intervene 
and build back better and fairer to allow access for people with disabilities yes. is decline my kind offer. I'll ask the Prime Minister to intervene. No bluster, substance, build back better and fairer, Norfolk Station, it's in the north of England. Thank you. Prime Minister. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to invite the Honourable uh, Member to wait and see uh, what we do for uh, rail uh, funding tomorrow, but I will, look, certainly, I will certainly look at what he has to say about Northwich Station uh, with keen interest. Sir Robinson. Over 4,200 service women and veterans use a democratic process to contribute to the Defence Select Committee's inquiry into women in the armed forces. Mm. A formal response is still awaited from the MOD. Now, whilst the majority of women enjoy a fulfilling career in the military, shocking issues were raised around sexual assault, bullying and harassment. I know the Prime Minister agrees with me that our our armed forces are the best in the world. Would he also agree with me that we need to make sure the British Army is the best place to serve as a woman? Prime Minister. I thank thank my uh, honourable friend and she's campaigning on a very, very important issue. I think too often uh, we find that our armed forces uh, fail to provide the wonderful women in our armed forces with the support that they deserve and that's why I'm pleased that my my honourable friend, the Defence Secretary, has secured a parliamentary inquiry uh, into this uh, for the first time and it's vital uh, that we support and encourage women in our armed forces who make uh, a massive difference uh, to those services. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. It has cost businesses in Northern Ireland the £850 million pounds to date to operate the field and suffocating article, uh, the field and suffocating protocol. Lord Frost is today in Belfast. When will the Prime Minister fix this by legitimately activating Article 16? Prime Minister. Uh, I, I thank the Honourable Gentleman and I think the, the word I would fasten on in his question is, is legitimately. And there, there is no question that the, uh, the use of Article 16, which after all has been done uh, by the EU uh, Commission to stop vaccines being exported uh, to this country, uh, is something that is perfectly legal and within, uh, within the bounds of the protocol. Jane Hunt. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. I recently visited Humphrey Perkins School in beautiful Barrow-upon-Saul. The students asked me there, what is the government doing to engage children and students from all backgrounds to encourage them to aspire to become an MP and even the Prime Minister? (laughs) Prime Minister. I think what I would say to uh, my my honourable friend and her her students is that uh, nothing, uh, nothing that is said or that takes place uh, in this House uh, no, none of the, uh, the argy-bargy, the repartee, uh, the, uh, the occasional abuse uh, to which we subject each other, Mr Speaker, should in any way deter anybody uh, from seeking a career in politics, because it is a wonderful privilege, and we are all, Mr Speaker, very lucky to be here. Yeah. Jardine. In my constituency of Edinburgh West, we are now finding numerous people coming to us with delays from DWP in uh, pensions and benefits to add to the delays that others are facing over passports and DVLA. Can the Prime Minister tell us, please, amongst the many jobs being done at the moment, who is making sure that the, the departments of government are running smoothly and quickly? Prime Minister. 
Uh, I, I, I thank her, and I, I think actually that the Department for Work and Pensions, under my uh, right honourable friend, the Secretary of State, uh, has, has been a government that has performed outstanding service, uh, performed miracles, and uh, amongst the things that it has achieved, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, is to help to get uh, millions of people uh, effectively back into employment, in spite of all the difficulties that we have faced. Uh, we now have uh, unemployment running at virtually record lows, in spite of all the difficulties we face. All the difficulties we faced in this pandemic uh, as we come out of furlough, and that is largely thanks to the work of the DWP. Of course, there is more that can be done, uh, and that people can always uh, up their game, uh, Mr. Speaker. But I, I think the DWP, the officials working in the DWP across the country, huge numbers of men and women, have done an outstanding job. Final question, Jay Curran. Mr. Speaker, in July 2019, I was in Manchester when the Prime Minister committed to build a new line, Northern Powerhouse Rail between Manchester and Leeds. It was a commitment reaffirmed in our manifesto in November 2019 and last month reaffirmed in the Prime Minister's conference speech in Manchester. Were the voters of the North right to take the Prime Minister at his word? Prime Minister. Yes, Mr Speaker, and they should should wait and see uh, what is unveiled tomorrow, uh, where, where, Mr Speaker, he may learn something to his advantage.